Yeah, I'm sorry I missed our, uh, your Heather's discussion. Did it go pretty good? Yeah, it was a really good discussion, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was in-depth for sure, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, it took a little time for us to, you know, edit, cut out some of the pauses and stuff like that. And then also Adam fell asleep today when he was supposed to finish it. <laughs> but otherwise it was a great (laughs) podcast and i'm looking forward to putting it out i'll be really interested to see what people think of it i i was very excited to learn about the heathers broadway musical is it based on the movie heathers yeah we didn't get to talk about it and to be fair i don't know that much about it i'm saddened you weren't there to give us more (laughs) more information about to be the musical correspondent Yeah, yeah, Glass. the The show is based on the the film. The Winona Christian Slater it, movie, right? It takes some seriously weird turns from from the film, and that's that was the bulk of what we talked I about. I haven't seen Heather's in probably twenty years, so I really don't remember much about it. <laughs> yeah, I had it never really seen it. I, I I ended up watching the entire series and the film all in one day. Dude, it was it was amazing to go back and watch the original movie and to just think about all of the different ways that this movie would never be made today. <laughs> well, like, isn't it about a school like Bonnie and Clyde school shooting type right. thing? And didn't uh, Quentin Tarantino just rip it off for True Romance a couple of years later? Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about True Romance. But oh you're yeah, right. yeah, that's true. We could have. I talked a little bit about uh, Natural Born Killers, which it kind of reminded me of Mm. also. Yeah. It reminded me of this atrocious movie, which I think is the only movie that I ever walked out of, which is uh, the movie from the 90s, Jawbreaker. uh, Oh, I've seen that movie. Which is, it's literally Heathers. I mean, (laughs) it's it's so, it's so similar. It's not the one where... It's Heathers, but with like anal, because... (laughs) Isn't there, like, a scene at the beginning where she's just, like... <laughs> That's the part I remember the most from that movie, besides, like, uh, the girl getting kidnapped. The only movie that I've ever walked out of was I Am Sam, and that's because halfway through I was like, this movie is too goddamn depressing. Sean Penn, I believe it. I'm I'm crying, like, I'm leaving. And then I snuck into Orange County <laughs> that's to cheer myself up. Jack Black and Tom Hanks Jr.? I stuck through I Am yeah, Sam, yeah. but just for the sweet Beatles covers. Great Beatles covers. That's is, true. Is I Am Sam about the the son of Sam killer? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I wish. It's that every cool. Yeah, that's why awesome. I was crying. <laughs> 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 no, it's a beautiful tale about Sean Penn, who's, um, uh, like, I don't know exactly what his issue is, but he's, like, mentally he's handicapped. Mentally handicapped. Um, father, and then Dakota Fanning is his beautiful five-year-old precocious daughter who's, like, fighting to stay with her dad. Oh my god, even now I'm, like, gonna start crying about it if I think about it too hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's very much... Yeah, didn't Sean Penn, like, win an Oscar for that or something? Uh, no, I think actually he was nominated for a Razzie. That's where the uh, famous Robert... Nominated for a Razzie? I think so. That's where the famous Robert Downey Jr. line from Tropic Thunder comes from. You don't go full... I'm not saying it. Full full arsler. Uh, 
Oh man, that reminds me of fucking Norm Macdonald having a, a meltdown this week. God, I used to love Norm Macdonald. All right, yeah, let's uh, let's well, let's 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 uh, let's actually intro the show. We can start off with Norm because that is that's just so bad. Do you want to stop and start or just keep um, it rolling? Nah, let's just keep it rolling. Um, <clears throat> oh, I I know nothing about the Norm Macdonald deal. I used to be a really big oh, Norm so- Macdonald fan. <laughs> It's pretty sad. We'll, we'll have we'll have we'll have Brendan bring us up to speed on that as we as we talk yeah, about you, it. Do you see what he All said right. today? The Down syndrome thing. <laughs> no. yeah. Save it! Save it! God damn it! Save it! We'll start the show. <laughs> Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined as ever from Omaha, Nebraska, by my very good friend and co-host, Brendan Williams. Brendan, hello. Hello, hello. Sweating in a basement. <laughs> is it hot in the basement? Somehow it is. Usually it's, it's cooler. Down here. Oh. That other voice that you hear on the line, of course, is our often third chair and also very good friend, Nick Glessman. Gless. You are sweating a little bit. I see it on the It's just because the there's two sexy men down here. That's what's going on. <laughs> it's too hot for radio. That's why we're podcasting. Yeah. Screw you, FCC. <laughs> and we are joined by some very special guests, the hosts of the excellent Cold Pizza Party podcast, Lubica and Adam. <laughs> I don't know exactly where you are. I know you're in Texas. That's all yeah, we need hey. to know. Hey, it's actually Lubica. Um, but Lubitsa. Yes. Uh, but we're in. Should I say where we are? Or do you want to stay mysterious? Mysterious is cool. We're okay. in a. We live in undisclosed a nice, location in Texas. In a nice trailer park. <laughs> in a, Texas really narrows <laughs> it down. It, there's yeah. only like two cities. <laughs> there's like three cities that are worth living in Texas. They live in a compound in Texas. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it up to the listeners. Is uh, it Temple? Do you live in Temple? It's Waco. <laughs> <laughs> Waco Temple, they're like they're fairly close. <laughs> as long as it's not Colleen, then you're okay. Yeah. Well, we have we have invited Adam and Lubita on the show uh because they were very kind and let me come on their show last week to talk about Heather's the <laughs> TV show, which is amazing. And you should go and listen to that episode also. It'll be out by the time this episode is out, so I can say we will drop it into the show description so you can hear that as well. Watch Heather is along with. Oh, wait, you can't. It's not, it's not available <laughs> right. in America. Yeah, I was the show say they don't very, want you to see. I was going to say, very kind is, is nice of you to say, but uh, forcing someone to watch nine hours of that show is anything but kind. <laughs> <laughs> can't I mean, wait for does, season two. Oh, wait. It does, not it does suck you in. Well, that's. I, did we, I don't know if we even talked about that. that they did plan to make a season two, but it wasn't going to be a high school thing. Oh. They were going to set it in like the 18th century in the court of Marie Antoinette. Seriously? <laughs> oh my God, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a shot at the very end that of the credits amazing. of the last episode of the first season where it's uh, like somebody picks up a bloody croquet mallet and <laughs> yeah, it's okay. like a Marie Antoinette style like costume and it says... Heather's Revolution. Oh, uh, and damn. apparently that was the plan that they were going to make it like an anthology series where every season would be 
like a new Heather story, <laughs> wow. but set in different like timelines. <laughs> I wanted to keep going wow. back so that they eventually just get to like Heather's like cave girls or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Heather's Flintstones. Let's start a Kickstarter and make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think uh, we have we have lots of kind of Texas related news to talk about. But first, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that's been going on all over social media. And no, I'm not talking about. Our friend Connor Golden getting kicked off Twitter again, mm-hmm. um, though that is hilarious, and I know that he listens to the show. So, Connor, uh, hang tight, buddy. I'm sure you'll be back. But, Brendan, you wanted to tell us a little bit about um, Hollywood's bad boy, a absolutely incomprehensible comedian, very, Norm MacDonald. Very relevant comedian, <laughs> Norm MacDonald. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I loved you, Norm. I mean, I did used to love Norm, too. I mean, I, his his 90s SNL days, you know I love the 90s. Uh, and Turd Ferguson, very funny. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, he he really was riding that, that Burt Reynolds uh, yeah. news high for about, like, two hours, and then he just kept talking, and it was a mistake. Like, Norm, just be quiet. <laughs> but he basically, he, he did an interview... I get he was on like the View or something. And he was, he was bought. Uh, he made his comment like a day before, maybe it was like two or three days before. He got kicked out of uh, the Tonight Show, so the View right. invited him on like to come clarify what he said. But he basically was just talking, and he was like, "I think Me Too is going too far," and then he was saying like, "Roseanne." didn't deserve to like get kicked off her show. Yeah, Roseanne and Louis C.K. like. What happened to them is far worse than anything that happened to the to the Me Too victims or something like that. And it's just like, what? How is somebody who's getting sexually harassed and borderline right. sexually assaulted somehow not as bad as someone losing their job because well, you know, and, they were the one assaulting them? Right. And with and with Norm Macdonald, it's always hard to tell if he's doing a bit because he's so dry. But in this case, it seems like he was sincere, where he was yeah. saying like. Really, the ones I feel bad for are, you know, Louis C.K. and Roseanne, because, you know, like, yeah, maybe they did some stuff, but, like, their victims didn't have to go through what they went through, which was to have their entire livelihood taken away from them in one day. And people are rightfully saying, like, well, Louis C.K. used his power to actually cause a bunch of women to quit their own careers in comedy. Uh, So, yes, they probably do know that. But also, who gives a fuck? Like, who, who cares if somebody who's done something bad has their career stripped away from them? That's the whole point. I mean, cause and consequences. They're probably still rich, right? <laughs> oh, right. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they didn't kill Roseanne. You know, they didn't take her money away. <laughs> you can't kill Roseanne. Uh, so, you know, to say that, like, oh, well, she had everything taken away from her. It's like, well, she had, like, she was on a TV show and then she said a bunch of racist stuff. And the TV show people said, we don't want to do a TV show with you anymore. That's not losing everything. That's losing a thing that most people never have. <laughs> and it's not, you're not losing that much, really, if you if you really take a step back and look at what's really happening. But I think it's just part of this whole thing about the, the Me Too kind of, you know, backlash okay? kind of, right, where... Everybody's now saying like, okay, like, is is Me Too over yet? Can we can we start having all of these 
horrible people who never should have gotten famous in the first place. Can can we just bring them back now and just right. move on? And I think it's just really ironic that at the same time, they have this story that blew up on Fox News about that guy who used to be on the Cosby show who is working at Trader Joe's and like making fun of him and be like, look, what a loser. You know, he used to be famous and now he's working at Trader Joe's when really he's like, well, you know, I don't want to work at Trader Joe's, but like uh, those Cosby residuals real, really dried up there. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. Me. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, Norm MacDonald also was catching some flack for saying that he didn't really understand that racism was a thing in this country before Sasha Baron Cohen's new show came out. What? <laughs> oh, my which God. I, How which can you again, be so it's like, dense? Again, it's like, is he doing a bit? But I, I don't think that's the case because uh, if you look at his, his Twitter timeline, there are tweets from him to Tucker Carlson from, uh, I think, earlier this year or maybe like late 2017 – uh, where it's like, Tucker Carlson, you really have, like, elevated yourself to, like, the best commentary uh, on 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 news broadcasting. Oh, wow. He had one from 2015 that was like, you know, Professor, Professor Jordan B. Peterson, like, I really respect <laughs> what you've done to, like, elevate these ideas to the right. to the public sphere. So, no, it turns out that he's just kind of like a libertarian, uh, I don't know what, like, regressive jackass. He's a status quo warrior. Right. <laughs> is he the first funny conservative? The only. <laughs> we forgot about Dennis Miller. Yeah. Wow. No, no I think that was built into the question. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Once they get that blue collar comedy store back up, uh, it's all gonna it's all gonna go places for him. But yeah, I, I think he's maybe just trying to rebrand himself as as a conservative comedian, maybe because he's he's aging out of uh, being able to be a progressive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's um, it's it's pretty crazy to watch where there's there's so many of these people where you think that oh, just because they're like, oh, everybody's liberal in Hollywood or whatever, where, but then you look at some of these guys out there and you're like, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> like, that's a that's a myth that they, that they try to play on people where if they just say like, oh, you know, I'm okay with gay people or whatever, you're like, well, there you go. You know, total leftist right there. But it's actually not the case. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely right. I mean, in some of that stuff, they have to say – um, just to preserve their own skin in the game, right? I mean, Hollywood has a lot of, like, gay producers and gay directors. So, of course, you've got to be okay with gay people in order to continue to work there. You can't be you can't be an outward bigot and work in Hollywood because you're going to be working with people, you know, with marginalized identities. But then you let your mouth run a little bit too long on did they really bring him on The View? He seems like a very strange guest for The View. <laughs> right, but then the craziest thing was that the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show canceled his appearance, and they were like, he's too offensive to to come on The Tonight Show. And you're like, since when is that? Like, you have George Bush and Donald Trump, you know, coming on The Tonight yeah, you Show. You Donald Trump's head. <laughs> but now you're going to draw the line and be like, well, Norm MacDonald, is, it's, it's clearly too far. It, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I think, though, that, um, you know, for a long time, being sort of just what people thought was like in the middle was just perfectly acceptable. And I think that there are a lot of like, you know, especially like wealthier comedians that are, you know, men, white men, stuff like that, who like 
although I'm sure there are white women who are like this too, but just, you know, that they didn't like have to really develop politics or any type of analysis about the world around them because things basically turned out okay for them and people like them without, you know, trying very hard. Like people were able to be middle class and get homes and get an education And so I think, like, part of this is just, like, that age thing of, like, what you're talking about. You know, it's just, like, I think, like, for his generation, what he's saying isn't that radical. It's just that his generation isn't um, the only voice we hear anymore because, like, people can actually talk back on Twitter and stuff. And so I think that's why, you know, he's so out of sync, like, with kind of what everyone else thinks is a... I think a somewhat normal way to look at the world and like, you know, yeah, he just comes off as like seeming extra conservative, but I think like within his own cohort, he's really not much of an outlier at all, probably, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of that with, uh, especially within like the older comedian set. Yeah. Um, like Jerry Seinfeld yes, is another one that's who, exactly who I was has kind of, yeah, has kind of like gone on the warpath about how like, you know, I, I used to be able to do campus tours, but now nobody thinks I'm funny anymore. Yeah. Like, obviously, the you know, it's it's totally that principal Skinner meme, whereas, you know, am I out of touch? <laughs> no, it's the like, children. No, it's, it's, it's the children who are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you know you're right. Yeah. Is when, <laughs> right. Is, is when all of the young people are like, hey, you're not actually that cool anymore. <laughs> and I think that's a really good observation that, it's social media has made it so much more obvious to these people that they are becoming out of touch because they say something in public and immediately their entire fan base, also anybody who dislikes them, have an outlet to say to their face or virtually to their face, you fucked up. You did something really wrong here. I was just going to say, and people like us, right? Like we're able to create this little like media platforms for ourselves and like you know, before, in order to, like, have any type of media platform where you could, like, criticize these people, you had to have, like, a network or whatever behind you, you know? And now there are podcasts and, you know, YouTube shows, and then there's also, of course, like, you know, big Twitter uh, accounts and things like that. So, yeah, it's like a full... I mean, not to get too utopian about it, because obviously there's a lot of problems with it, but, you know... There's just a lot more people who are able to draw attention and talk back to these people. And I think that that's really what makes both the, you know, Jerry Seinfeld and Norm MacDonald like uncomfortable is that before they could just put a joke out there and then they didn't hear anything about it outside of the room, you know, that they said it to or the audience. But now they have, you know, all these critics to talk back yeah, absolutely. I, I was just reminded of the that infamous uh, Chris Rock bit. Um, the one, the one about the, the one about the hard R or, or at least the, the N word, you know, and how, uh, like he has completely disclaimed that bit yeah, at this yeah. point. He doesn't, he's not happy that he did it. He doesn't like the way that it's been used, but if he had tried that, uh, if we had had the same social media then as we have today, that special never even would have aired, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, like there would have been such an outcry about it that. Uh, that that idea never even would have made it into the mainstream. Yeah, and I think it just shows how it's so easy for people who you know are rich, who who are successful, to 
start to look at like the the left being like, hey, maybe actually the status quo isn't great, and then have them be like, well, it it's doing all right for me, so maybe I'm just gonna like move over here and be like, hey, Tucker Carlson's pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. He's saying some stuff I agree with, like. What happened to white men? You know, why can't white men get a break anymore? You know, it's so easy for those people who have been successful and how to have the status quo work out for them to really just even to slide into that sort of political leaning, probably without even realizing, you know, that's why they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, before we take a break, I thought uh, it, we'll, we'll be digging into some more um, more specific politics, I think, as the show goes on. But before we take a break, I thought it might be fun to do a can check. Are y'all drinking? I I assumed I assumed that you were. I have Blue Moon Mango Wheat. How's that? It's all right. I don't usually like mango that much, but you know, the summer is coming to a close. Sending it out in style. Is it is it very fruity or is it just that like that hint of fruit? In your, in I mean, your... Blue Moon's kind of like orangey anyway, so it's just kind of like it replaced the orange with like a hint of mango instead. Right. Okay. That sounds all right. Uh, Gless seems to have left the studio, uh, but is he is he drinking the same thing? All right. Cool. Uh, Adam Lubicha, you guys got, got anything to check in with? Uh, well, we're both having some kratom tea right now. Um, that's oh, nice. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Adam makes a good Kratom tea. That's, he, a, that's a much cooler can check. <laughs> <laughs> he does a really good job mixing it with like mint and some other things. I don't know. He has like a proprietary blend at this point um, so that it's not actually super I've heard it's really bitter. unpleasant to drink if you're just, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. yeah. He's gotten nice. good at like making it really drinkable. So we're enjoying that right now. Although I do have a couple cans of Truly, which is basically like a alcoholic LaCroix, uh, which we could maybe dip into. <laughs> that seems like a very podcaster thing to drink. <laughs> my my wife's younger sister moved recently and she was like, hey, I'm moving. Like I have uh, like some some liquor that I don't want to like move with me. Like, do you guys want it? And we're like, oh, sure, we'll, we'll take it off your hands. Like, yeah, that'll be fine. And but then she brought over like a cardboard box full of like half full bottles and it was just the worst stuff ever. It was like marshmallow flavored vodka. And <laughs> like, there was one, this this bottle of this purple stuff called Vinique. And it's like got glitter in it. And it literally looks like, a, like it looks like a chemical that you should not ingest. Like it, it looks, looks like a prop or something to drink. Yeah, it looks like this, some Harry Potter shit or something. Yeah, like. what, what they use in uh, in like the Wicked Stepmother's uh, apothecary oh, in yeah. Snow White or something. Yeah, I think I might give it to the kids at the Harry Potter birthday party just to be like, look kids, look at this. Woo, it's so shiny. Yeah, I don't want that. Don't open it, but you can play with it. I think I've seen that stuff and I had a this like bottle of like hair glitter that you would spray in your hair when I was in middle school. And I swear it looks like it's the same is. substance. <laughs> that well, is like gold, hair glitter right there. Goldschlager does have the, the little gold, gold flakes yeah. floating around in it. You know. Goldschlager. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you're you're super classy when let's you're just, Let's try a little bit of it. Oh, the what, Vinique? Goldschlager? Yeah. Or the, oh, you brought it down. I'm doing the Vinique. <laughs> 
All right, oh, while well, wow. they get that open, I'll, I'll, uh, I, I'm going to say that I'm drinking a beer from a relatively new brewery around here called Shannon Brewery, Shannon Brewing Company. It smells like shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not Shannon Brew, the thing that they're drinking. Uh, I'm oh, drinking. Oh God, the... it tastes like Dimatap. Oh my God, that's gross. All right, I'll, I'll let I'll let Gless get this no, out of the good. system. No, we're good. We're oh, good. We're moving on. Sorry. Hey, but which which Dimatap? Because purple Dimatap is <laughs> is great. Oh, then you would love it. Because that's purple. I'll mail it down to you. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm drinking the I'm drinking the Shannon Brewing Company's Blackberry Crystal Wheat, which is also not terribly fruity, but you can you can definitely feel the blackberry notes in there. It's nice. It's Man, good. It's a good drink. Sounds Wheat like a good summer. Representing beer. today. Representing the plains hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Cool. Well, that's the can check. That's the Norm McDonald discussion. This is a break. We will be back. Okay, so here's my bottle of shiny stuff. It's called Vanique. V-I-N-I-Q. Some kind of vodka and Moscato fruit. But it's got all the sparkly stuff in it. looks kind of weird. Let's see if I can get it. Swirling. See how it swirls? some glamour behind it, which is the shimmer. The truth of the matter is, it's pearlescent pigment, uh, which is the same composition that uh, is used in products like cake icing, gummy bears, and jelly beans. Um, so again, it is a product that, when shaken, um, as you can see, um, offers that almost lava lamp type motion. Uh, it looks blue, but it's actually purple. It's doing its shimmery thing. Wow, that looks freaky. Looks like the cosmos or something. Like a star imploding on itself. It's going in a black hole. So the big Texas news over the past week or so, and rightfully so, is the strange case of the shooting of Botham Jean. A Dallas man who a cop somehow ended up in his house mistakenly in the middle of the night and shot him dead. Sorry. My bad. It is the most ridiculous police murder yet. Like you every time this happens, you're like, well, this is this is crazy. Like when Philando Castile happened, you're like, this is nuts. This is a dude just chilling in his own house doing nothing. Right. The circus that it's been to get the police department or the people who are arraigning this police officer to get their story straight. Because at first it was his door was ajar, but then it was no, she had to pound on the door for a long time. And there are witnesses around who heard like a verbal altercation while she's still out in the hallway before the door opened. And then it was... He it, all she saw was a silhouette inside the room, but also part of the story is that he didn't obey verbal commands. So it's like, how do you know if a silhouette is obeying verbal commands? Ugh. Better shoot it. And also, why should I have to obey verbal commands in my own home? Right? Like, right. this isn't. I'm out on the street, and you're a police officer giving me verbal commands. This is. I'm in my own home. You've barged in, and now you're giving me verbal like. It's insane. Like, 
motherfucker, I should be giving you verbal commands. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, this is Texas. This is stand your own ground, right? Like you're in my domain. Even yeah. Dana Loesch, the that absolute harpy, uh, said on NRA TV that like maybe he should have just been armed, but you know. That if he yeah, had yeah, right. been armed, you know, black man shoots in a white female police officer charging into his house. That doesn't end well. Uh, anybody who shows up on the scene is going to see like a black man with a gun standing over a dead female white cop. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but when it's the reverse, it's fine. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else has like suggested this, but I was telling Adam like as soon as we kind of heard about the story a little bit that the one time that I like incorrectly entered into the wrong it wasn't my home it was i was at a i was living in a dorm and i walked into the wrong dorm room and that's because i was drunk like very like college white girl drunk right (laughs) like so like i just really like wonder and it took like three days to arrange to like arrest her bring her in or anything so they couldn't do toxicology reports like Mm. i really wonder like how fucked up was this police officer and is that what they're you know, kind of not to be like conspiracy theory, I guess, but maybe is that what they're trying to like cover up here? Because, you know, well, I think that was, I just wasn't don't that understand even, how you, that was even part of the, the original story that she was drunk, that she was coming home from like the bar. She wasn't on duty. Oh, I thought she was tired from like a 15 hour shift or something. That's what she's going to say. I mean, <laughs> this whole situation is so mysterious and so sketchy. You know, it's to the police's benefit to just say, like, we're not going to share anything. And, of course, if this was anybody else, they would be arraigning her. They would be doing toxicology right. tests. They would be doing all this stuff right away. But because she's a police officer, even though she was off duty, they're still giving her, you know, all the benefit of the doubt, coordinating with her to be able to put out only beneficial information that's going to benefit her yeah. because the police are the ones conducting this investigation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also the the local news media are absolutely lapping up no matter what the police say. They're reporting that as being like the real facts of the case. Hmm. Uh, never mind that even the original police report, even the original arraignment before they moved to moved her to another county so she could be arraigned there or something. The whole thing has been the timeline is really hard to follow. But all of these things have other details that didn't make it into any of the news reports. Mm. And the only thing that the news seems to be reporting on is whatever the cops are telling them up to and including yeah. tonight. Fox Four, the local Fox affiliate ran a, a story they they tweeted it out that Botham John's apartment ended up having some marijuana in it <sighs> I have never seen such a ratio on a tweet before it was you know maybe like 50 retweets 100 likes and 16,000 replies <laughs> of people saying like get fucked why is that important to the story it's not like why are you making the victim out to be the bad guy here because we all know that if you have any marijuana in your house if you've ever smoked any marijuana you deserve to die i mean no no (laughs) that's just basic you know logic and reason (laughs) i mean it's ridiculous like even if he was high on all kinds of drugs 
this still doesn't justify any of her behavior. Like, Absolutely right. Yeah, he's in his own house. <laughs> yeah. When the NRA came out with their statement or that Dana Loesch lady was like, hey, maybe if he had a gun, you know, he still would have been alive. He would have been able to defend himself against these crazy cops. It's like, at first I was like, I can't believe they're saying this. And then I was like, oh, actually, this makes perfect sense. I like, mean, he- Of course the NRA wants to put that message out about like, oh, the cops are shooting everybody. Like, you better just get some guns. Everybody needs yeah. more guns. That's going to help. You'd think none of these details would matter. Dana Loesch, welcome to the hashtag resistance. <laughs> right. He would be alive, but I mean, he'd be spending the rest of his life right. in prison. So, I mean, but hey, he'd still right. be alive. We should have like a justice system where none of these details matter. Nothing about him. Nothing about her, whether she's drunk or tired or sober. Like, it doesn't change the fatal mistake and the consequences for shooting somebody in their own home, like when they answer the door, should just, that's it. That's all you need to know. Yeah. It's a pretty crappy wake up call. But I think, isn't the law in Texas, isn't there like some castle doctrine law in Texas or wherever where like. Yeah, I think so. If this dude did shoot this cop, it seems like Texas law would have been on his side as being well, like, in that's theory, potentially yeah, in justified. Theory. He's the wrong skin color for it to be on his side, though. That doesn't actually address the way that the law works in practice. I mean, it makes national news anytime like a black man actually gets acquitted on a self-defense mm-hmm. charge. Yeah, I think that like in theory, yeah, the law is on the books, but, you know, prosecutors decide which laws get enacted, right? So... I guess this is, like, why it matters, like, how in Philadelphia now they have, you know, what's his name? Krasner? Krasner. That's one of those things where it's, like, hopefully we can start to change more and more of those seats to go further left because, you know, we see over and over again these cases where police officers kill unarmed black people or just random white people kill (laughs) unarmed black people and there's, like, no consequence to their action because... You know, sometimes the prosecutors, like, don't bring it up charges at all, or they do, but, like, the, the you know, grand jury is sort of like a half-assed argument where they clearly don't want the cops or whoever to be indicted. So, you know, it's like we, we have to start changing this stuff and, you know, it matters who we vote for in some of these smaller or lesser-known offices because I think, like, people get really focused on governor and stuff like that it's been encouraging watching the sustained street protests down in dallas um, people who are marching against the injustice of this action and also there's a renewed push for a community oversight board Mm. on the dallas police department that's good i think that's at least a first step toward the community having a say in the way these officers are trained and the way that these cases are handled I mean, it's just the tragedy of law enforcement as it stands right now that we we have to have innocent people dying in their own homes in order to demand these changes. Well, and it is kind of sad, too, that in this particular circumstance, I believe the officer actually has been charged with manslaughter. Right. And then the, the family of this guy is saying, like, well, I mean, at least at least you got charged with something like that. That's all we could hope for. But here. manslaughter that's is more than a like, lot of cases. It's essentially like, oops, yeah. sorry. Right. Accidental negligence. Yeah. And, and carries a nominal prison sentence compared to uh, any kind of intentional murder charge. Yeah. Cause, I mean, it's really hard to approve intent on this, but 
Who yeah. knows, maybe some more facts will come to light. I mean, there could not be a more stark example, though, of clearly this would be interpreted differently if the roles were reversed, right? If this was yeah, a, I know. A, sure. a black man accidentally breaking into a white female police officer's house and then shooting her, there's absolutely no way that he would be charged with ma- manslaughter. Oh, yeah, like, they're... oh, it's just an honest mistake. Exactly. If it were a black male police officer going into a white woman's house and ended up shooting her, it would be a completely right. different yeah. story. Yeah. That'd be first degree murder all the way. They would dig up some shit, make up some charges to say that he, he, he knew this woman. He totally wanted to kill her. Well, and it seems like there's a lot still to be uncovered about if you live right next to someone... There has to be more <laughs> going on. Like, it, this isn't just like they, they never interacted, but this was their first yeah. interaction. Yeah, like he was he was her upstairs neighbor and I guess some noise complaints had gotten called in right. or something. I don't know, walking around too heavy or playing music too late or something like There's that. There's like a whole true crime series just for neighbor murders. It happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole true crime series for every type of murder. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Did they cover the case of uh, Rand Paul getting <laughs> like spear tackled off of his uh, riding lawnmower? Right. Getting his ass beat. <laughs> he attacked me. All right. Well, we'll be we will be following up on that story for now. Solidarity to the community and especially to the people who are trying to force an administrative change in the DPD. Obviously, that is long overdue. We're going to move on to some other Texas news now, which is meme lord Ted Cruz and his <laughs> wild successes with social media lately. We talked about it a little while ago that Ted Cruz's campaign strategy seems to be Beta O'Rourke is cool. You don't want a cool guy in office. What you want is a giant <laughs> fucking unlikable nerd like me. I know. <laughs> Well, our experience of Texans is that they won't think he's cool unless he tucks his t-shirt into his jeans. (laughs) (laughs) And a big old belt buckle. Howdy, y'all! Also, it does seem like that's what uh, politicians down here think that Texans are like. Um, Because there was another politician, I don't remember who, what was he, like, shooting a rifle at... Like Trump's tax bill or something like Jesus, I'm gonna have to look this up. But anyway, talk about oh, how that's like uh, I think that's Joe Manchin in West Virginia or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard about that. That's so what about funny. rich oil tax in front of the Simpsons? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I thought you were gonna mention this crazy story where some guy who worked for Ted Cruz uh, as like an intern got arrested in DC today. Because he was getting into an argument with someone and they called the cops on him. And then he found that his the back of his car was just loaded full of boxes of unregistered ammo. Holy shit. Oh what? my god. So that's what it takes to work with Ted Cruz. <laughs> Do you think that there is even a remote chance that a Democrat could win a statewide election in Texas? Like, it, it seems, just like in Omaha, in, in, here in Nebraska, we have no hope. Like, there's, there's Democrats running for the Senate and I, I'm glad they are. But we know that there's absolutely no hope that in a statewide election that a Democrat could even come close, even in the waviest blue wave imaginable. Right. I I think really surprising things can happen. Like, maybe it's harder for a Senate seat, though, because when you think about the way they gerrymander stuff, they gerrymander it to have as many seats as possible. And they end up creating districts that are red by only like four or five percent so they can have as many as possible. So if there is, like, a mood sweeping the country, you know, 
Yeah, and I also think that, I mean, Ted Cruz is uniquely unlikable. True, true. <laughs> yeah, so, like, even people who are, like, diehard conservatives in Texas, that's the only thing I think pe- those people like about him, right? He doesn't really have, like, Texas swagger or, like, I don't know, some kind of aspect to him that makes him feel like he's, like, a true Texan in the way that, like, when I meet people who have, like, clearly yeah. lived here their entire lives, like, you get a very specific sense of what it means to be a Texan. And he definitely doesn't have that. Has he um, ever ridden a horse? <laughs> <laughs> that is a visual that I, I'm having trouble Man, picturing. can you even picture it? That's, no, that's amazing. Difficult. I feel bad for the horse. It would have to be like a pony. He would look <laughs> good on a pony. I know that he and Beto are now like neck and neck in terms of like polling, which is really surprising because there's lots of aspects to like Beto's you know, stances that I'm not totally down for, but I was like, whatever, like, I'll, I'm happy, I'll happily, like, vote for him just because, you know, anybody but Ted, I guess, is right. better. I'm not Ted Cruz is a great campaign pitch. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was neoliberal dad's uh, take, a uh, friend of the show, neoliberal dad from, he, he also lives in Texas. Uh, his take on Twitter today was, like, okay, I don't agree with Beto on a lot of his policy positions, and he seems like actually genuinely opposed to some progressive policy positions like Medicare for all. But on the other hand, can you think about how much better the world would be if Ted Cruz were no longer in charge of writing and voting on national laws? Um, that's, that should, that yeah, should be exactly. a motivator right. for people. Well, that's I, true. And I have to wonder about Beto too, is when you're running on a race in a statewide office for Texas Senate, can you be honest about your support for Medicare for all? Right. It seems like maybe you can't. And and it really puts these candidates in kind of a bind. Ah, that's a failure of fucking democratic messaging, though. I mean, it's a, it's a, an incredibly popular policy position, yeah. especially once you explain it to people. And maybe he is playing that game, Brennan. And I think that you're right that he is doing that, just assuming that this isn't going to sell in Texas. But that's also a failure of fucking imagination. Right. Yeah, exactly. When this kind of started out and I heard about Beto, I was like, oh, like, that's cool. He's not going to win. But, you know, at least, like, he's getting, like, Democrats and just people generally on the left more excited. Like, people who have been demoralized, I'm sure, for, like, years in sure. Texas, right? Getting them more excited, getting them organized, getting them interested in, like, registering to vote or take some kind of political action. And, like, that's good because getting someone on the steps of like the the early steps of the electoral process is like a start to getting them involved in politics more broadly that you know politics like can be all kinds of different things that could lead to greater social change so i find that like exciting no matter what um and that's why i was like excited about him even though i didn't like his policies in some cases like that like obviously like medicare for all but now that i'm seeing like that he's like neck and neck with ted and like, even if he doesn't win, I think, like, this can only be an extreme net positive for the people of Texas, because I think there's going to be a lot more people than ever before who feel like they actually have a stake in Texas politics, because it's not, like, so clear that no one that doesn't have a little R next to their name can, you know, ever win. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It puts it puts Texas into play as a swing state at the very least. A lot faster than I would have imagined. Right. Yeah. If he comes if if he comes even within a couple of points of almost toppling a sitting senator, 
that's going to be huge. And that is going to reverberate through the national parties. And they're going to go, oh, shit, maybe we have been riding off Texas for too long. Exactly. And they almost have them running scared, too, because now Ted Cruz has to grovel to Trump and be like, Trump, please come do a rally for me, which, you know, the Ted Cruz Trump rally is going to be an absolute freaking train wreck. I would go to that just to see it like in like. That's something I saw. I don't think Trump can resist mocking Ted Cruz when he's there. Like, it's so he loves to do it. So and he is infinitely mockable. I mean, just his face. Oh, he is. He's he's awful. And I mean, Trump said such horrible things about him during the the Republican primary in 2016 that it would be so funny to have to watch Ted Cruz up there on stage and pretend like these guys are friends with each other. It's just so easy to just say you're draining all these resources. You know, the Republicans are now having to be like, look, now we have to give Ted Cruz money. Like Ted Cruz is like, I don't have money to buy yard signs. Because I didn't think I needed to have money to buy yard signs because I'm running as a Republican in Texas. But now he's like, I need yard signs. Give me money. And so it's like draining resources from the Republican side to win an election in Texas. (laughs) You just got to drain that swamp, I guess, man. Got to start somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, that's why that's the reason they should have a 50 state strategy, you know. Yeah. Make them work for every inch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is really what the Dems should be doing if they would embrace a more left-style uh, progressive policy platform. Uh, we we know that so many of their ideas are so popular among the Chuck Schumer, like, you know, for every, like, working-class Democrat we lose in western Pennsylvania, we'll pick up, like, two Republican swing voters in the suburbs. Like, no, don't go after the suburbs. Go after the fucking... Uh, like rural and like low income, like outside of the city or the or the deep in the city people and offer them right. something substantive. Right. Well, and you see this more and more with like public opinion is 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 not on the Republican side for things like health care, things like education, you know, things like tax policy, even. things like the the fucking bank bailouts like everybody hates the banks except for bankers and somehow this has become like a wedge issue that it's like liberals versus conservatives on what we're going to do with the banks like conservative voters don't like the banks either our biggest problem sometimes in this country is actually not enough democracy like i know it's cooler to be skeptical of democracy and you know what normal people want I think if we had a more functional democracy, we'd have a much more progressive country. If we took the money out of politics, probably a much more progressive country, too. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and in Texas in particular, if we would stop disenfranchising so many of our voters, then we would probably be, you know, a better run state and a better participant in the national government. If, if we did let people voice their opinions more, if they were able to, and that's why, I like, you know, in Nebraska, we're going to have a ballot initiative to expand Medicaid, taking that out of the hands of the legislature who's never going to do it and putting it into right. the people's hands and saying like, hey, if you want this, you know, go out and and vote for it. And um, there was this amazing article that I was reading earlier this week. So they did a survey. Six in 10 Nebraskans said state leaders should raise taxes on the wealthy and corporations to balance the state budget Increase funding for mental health programs and public education and infrastructure. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, and, and Glass, you had a great take on this, which is like, okay, if this is their view, then why do they keep voting for Republicans? You know, 
And it's true. And all you have to do is go out there and say that and say, look, they're not in line with what you actually believe. You thought sure. that they were supporting these things. You thought that when you voted for Trump that you were actually voting for, you know, drain the swamp, yeah. tax the rich. You know, you're going to make things better for us because you're going to clear out the corruption and all that. Well, I mean... I mean, a huge part of the problem is just how good Republicans are at playing the game, right? They've only won one election since 1990, right? They, uh lose more votes across the whole country for Congress and yet control it. Right. So I don't I don't know. I don't really blame people. I think you're totally right. I think what's happening is you've got a bunch of just fucking hypocrites and liars who are really good at messaging, um, telling people like, you're not actually mad at big money. You're not actually mad at your landlord or your boss. You're not actually mad about the way the top levels of the government spend money in these frivolous ways. Um, when that's money that's coming out of your pocket, who you're mad at is like football players who won't kneel for the national anthem or you're mad at uh, like fictional <laughs> MS-13 members who are pouring over the border and apparently taking your jobs at the like kidnapping people factory, whatever. I mean, who else is going to prune those lawns? <laughs> but yeah, they're they're really good at that scapegoating game. The proper response to that is to actually offer people something inspiring and uh, aspirational to vote for. And that's, you know, if Beto loses, I think it's going to be because he didn't do that enough. Yeah, because yeah. he didn't actually, like, say, I stand for, like, Medicare for all, yeah, right? Like, I mean, I think exactly what you're saying. Like, you have to give people a reason to come out, you know, not just say, well, I'm not. Right. I'm not Trump. I'm not. A lot of times, like, I feel like, God, why can't Democrats just, like, realize that, like, this is how you win by, like, actually, like, standing for real issues? But then there's another side of me that kind of thinks, like, I mean, because of their donors, right? Like, Democrats don't stand for issues like this because, you know, if we want Medicare for all, we have to tax the rich. Well, that includes taxing Democratic donors, right? And. I think that as long as they keep trying to, like, straddle the fence and trying to, like, do some, like, oh, we're, like, the, you know, nicer, gentler, more diverse Republicans, right? Like, we're fiscally responsible, you know, or some euphemism (laughs) like that. Exploding the deficit to, like, $3 trillion in in two years or whatever. We're the fiscally responsible party. As far as that goes, the Democrats are already giving the game away, uh, like, a completely unforced error where they said, if we retake the House of Representatives, we won't be passing any legislation that isn't, like, already (laughs) balanced in the budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why? Why would you do that? Like, why would you why would you hamstring yourself that way when like the Republicans don't give a shit about that? Yeah, because they don't want to do anything. That's what I'm saying, because then they would have to stand up to their donors. And they're like what they don't understand is like in politics, you know, you have like people, time and money. Right. And like Republicans will always have more money. So it's so stupid to keep trying to go after big donors and think that that's how you're going to gain, right? Like we all have the same amount of time, have an election, certain amount of time. So obviously the answer is go after people. You don't need that much money if you go after people and give them something to vote for. Which makes Beto even more perplexing because he doesn't seem to have taken a whole lot of like super PAC money or like big donor money. 
Um, yeah. Most of his campaign has been funded by individual contributions. He seems to be actually maybe like legitimately fundamentally opposed to yeah. some of these progressive policy uh, platforms, which I mean, that's how bad the politics are down here, that it's like the guy who doesn't believe in some of the more popular policy positions ever in this country versus Ted Cruz, who literally <laughs> is Count Chocula. <laughs> I think we're going to have to wrap that particular discussion. We've we've gone on for a little while. Why don't we take a short break? Cool. Um, we'll probably play a Count Chocula commercial here, and <laughs> and we will come back, and uh, hopefully we can find a high note in the past week, past two weeks, I guess. I do want to talk about the fact that there is a major, major election coming up, and I hope everyone is planning on voting on this. You uh, should be registered to vote. This is this is one of the most important. I'm talking, elections. of course, about the big decision between uh, Booberry. Uh, Frankenberry and uh, Count Chocula. Yeah, uh, they all have different uh, different political leanings. Booberry is uh, the more liberal one. He's very hip with millennials. Uh, Count Chocula, old money, more formal, very conservative values. And then of course Frankenberry is kind of an independent, uh, really more like the libertarian values. Yeah. Um, Kind of a mishmash of values, much like the Frankenstein's monster. So, number one, Count Chocula has become increasingly more conservative. He used to be all about spending as much time as possible with marshmallow ghosts. Now those marshmallow ghosts have been reduced to about one or two per spoonful, where it used to be about 50-50 split. A more, a more of a segregated sort of culture in terms of ghost to grain ratio, which I'm not entirely crazy about. We've actually got a statement from yeah. the Count right here. He says, you can count on me. I may be afraid of things that go bump in the night, but have no fear. Spooky shadows and fearful frights won't keep me from delivering the goblin good chocolate you crave. So fly to the polls and chalk one up for the Count. That sounds like typical double talk. Yeah. I'm tired of this. All right, so Lubicha, uh, to explain the, the device a little bit better, we know that our the show can be very frustrating and sometimes depressing for the listener because we talk about a lot of Great Plains politics, which is often very frustrating and depressing. Um, so the tradition on the show is to make this last segment one where we take it out on a high note. So this is where we we share a piece of news or sometimes something good that you saw on the Internet or sometimes some good personal news and, you know, try to try to bring the audience back up, try to buoy their spirits uh, to send oh, them into God. a new week. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's just like drilling down on their phones right now, trying to find something good. Yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's football season, so it's my distraction for the next three months of everything that bad that happens in the world. Well, that sounds like a high note itself that, that football is back in season, right? I mean, if you're into that primitive, uh, tribalistic type of sport, then you hooray. know, I I don't know, Gless. Uh, there's been kind of an ongoing discussion, especially on some corners of left Twitter recently, about how there's a there's this kind of outsized objection to the things that people enjoy uh, that distract them temporarily from this hell world that we're living in, um, including sports or like hobbies or going to the gym or what, you know, that like every waking hour should be dedicated toward paying attention to the news and being outraged by it. And maybe like if you have time after that, getting around to like doing some real activism that this, uh, you know, being a sports fan is a waste of time. But I, I don't I'm not into that at all. I think uh, I think it's fine. I think it's good. I think it's healthy for people to be able to watch a sport and just do something fun for a while. 
until black football man pisses people off for not for not standing. Right. I don't know. I'm just happy football's here. It's a nice distraction from everything. I think that's fair. Also, I don't know. The the objection that we shouldn't let politics get into sports is Oh my god, that, that's that, so bullshit. That falls pretty flat, right? I mean, the Department of Defense has been paying the NFL for years to do like F fourteen flyovers right. and have their like giant American flag yeah. out on the field. Well, it is kind of funny that the it really does seem like the in in the war over like patriotism and the anthem that the conservative side has really lost big. Like Colin Kaepernick is bigger than ever. Um, yeah, he, you know he's he's and now they won't they don't even air the anthem on TV anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like. People oh, is that for real? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they said that they're not even going to air it anymore. A lot of teams just said, like, we're not going to participate. We're just going to stay in the locker room or whatever. Right. So it, it, it really like does seem like it backfired. Time, too. On it's only it's only like in the last maybe maybe around 9-11 or a little bit afterwards that it became a big thing. Oh, but... for sure. Well, that's because the military paid for it. Yeah. They're going to have to do it as a recruiting tattoo. Uh, it's also just, like, literally impossible to prevent, like, politics from seeping into sports because, like... You know, like the Serena Williams um, not oh, yeah. winning the Grand Slam thing happened. Sure. Right? And like that, she wasn't trying to make some kind of political statement with that the way like, you know, Kaepernick was, obviously. But politics ultimately like still came into play because people saw this, you know, referee um, basically unfairly policing the behavior of this black woman. And then the way that people read her behavior was also politicized of course and you know it just that's how we you know that's how we experience the world like that's why like we have you know like a podcast where i will sometimes talk about like the real housewives and politics because there's just there's literally no like the idea that you can somehow uh experience anything without any ideology or politics is (laughs) right it's absurd (laughs) even if you strip the politics out of any one thing that itself is a political statement that you're making yeah exactly or if when you try to say oh no i have no ideology right of course that's like the (laughs) biggest what you're saying is like announcement yeah, it's like the an announcement of your ideology, basically. <laughs> like, yeah, people so. who say they don't like they don't follow politics or have no political leaning. There's that's just that's so full of shit right there because basically, and it also comes down to a privilege thing that says you're so right, privileged. It's just, it's just the privilege to be able to ignore other people's statements of their own politics yeah. because yours yeah. is yours is the status quo. Yours is the one that doesn't have to be questioned. You know, in any time you enter into the public sphere, yours are the default politics. And that's why moderates piss me off, too, because of that. Yeah, and sometimes it feels like um, that can be, like, a, a real... Like, you're when you say that, you're kind of, like, actually marshalling other people to, like, fall in line with your status quo ideology because you're essentially, like, making them the outlier weirdos for having, like some other vision of politics or how the world should be, you know? So it's like, you're actually being sort of aggressive when you say that, even though it's supposed to be this like, oh, no big deal, man. I'm just chill kind of stance, you know? (laughs) It's a blatantly ridiculous stance to just say, hey, if you have this position of, of power and attention where you're a big football star or you're a big sports star or something, 
that what you should do with that is nothing. Like, no one thinks that <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah. Like, everybody says, like, well, why don't you use your position to do charity work or to do this or to make the world a better place? That is a that is a reasonable position to have. But that's exactly what Kaepernick is doing. With oh, exactly. Too. Exactly. Yeah. And that's people. what I say. When, I think when a lot of people, when they kind of think about it a little bit more, and now that this has been in the news so much and Trump has continued to bring it up over and over again, over time, people have said, oh, you know what? Like, really, it's not it's not that bad what he's doing and in fact it's actually kind of good <laughs> what he's yeah, doing the longer the longer it's in the public eye the more people have to think about it which actually just brings people around to his position especially when you keep seeing cases like right. uh, philando castile or uh botham jean you know that uh, it's like, yeah. oh, this is what they're protesting. And like people hammer them on Twitter and Facebook with like, they're not disrespecting the troops. They're talking about this specific thing. And eventually, I think you do end up winning a bunch of people over. Trump has been uh, counterintuitively really good for that movement. <laughs> he's a he's an it's an inside job. Oh, that's the actual uh, <laughs> that's the actual QAnon thing. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, oh, yes! that that is a high note right there. Uh, that the the subreddit, the main subreddit for the QAnon conspiracy, uh, what was it called? Like Great Awakening. The Great Awakening finally got uh, banned from Twitter permanently, and all of the other uh, like spinoff subs also got kind of whack a mold out of existence. Yeah, that was a oh, shock. Wow. I did I not think that. I didn't that hear that. That's crazy. Balls to ban it's That's crazy. because QAnon subreddit. It's not so much that they had the balls to ban, it's the fact that most likely Serena Williams went up to Alex like, hey, I'm getting sick of this. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming together. Because yeah, people, people may not know that the guy who's like the C, is he the CEO or whatever of Reddit? I guess he's like or a founder. The, he was the founder, but I think yeah. he's still involved with the company. He's literally married to Serena Williams, right. so they have like a daughter together, and not to yeah, mention, I think it's I a, guess, Alexis Ohanian, I think is his name. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess like their followers been attacking advertisers, like doxing him and stuff like that. Basically, what it comes down to is Reddit was losing money, so shocking. <laughs> yeah, was losing money because these people are attacking him, not well, because losing Reddit... losing more money. I don't think the yeah. company has ever actually turned a profit. It's not like Reddit, Reddit suddenly got like you know suddenly had a bunch of principles pop up. No, there. This is strictly from a financial standpoint, right? Yeah, absolutely. So still fuck Reddit because they allow the Donald all those all those other hate subreddits to uh, fester. And- well, but it seems like more and more they're they're kind of catching up. I mean they they keep they keep kind of shutting them down. And even though it is one of those things where like with Twitter, you know, banning Alex Jones, where it's like it it took way too long to happen. Right. But it did eventually happen, and you know it is something to to celebrate in a, in a little way because a lot of people you, you know remember like back when like Milo was banned and everyone you know he was like he was like I'm gonna I'm gonna just rise ten times stronger because <laughs> right, you're just yeah. giving me all this and you know it's, it's, it turns out it did not work. Yeah, he's just gone. Like nobody thinks about him anymore. Yeah, yeah we we still do have a a joke like bot response on the men's lib uh, slack which is anytime somebody says the word Milo slack bot pops up and is like, let's see what Milo has to say about this. And just tries <laughs> to pull his Twitter page, which always just says, you know, this, this <laughs> account is, is permanently suspended. I fall for it every time and I click on it and it gives me joy. Oh, uh, so good. <laughs> the butt hurt is pretty glorious. So I, I do <laughs> revel in all the white nationalist butt hurt. Oh, I was just saying, I interact with a lot of uh, QAnon people on Twitter because apparently I think it's fun to try to, 
jump in their threads and convince convince them that like immigration is a good thing <laughs> uh but they most of them look at my bio and see that i host the cold pizza party podcast oh yeah and they're like uh, oh god so- <laughs> yeah the number of times we've had How people deep. be like that's very disturbing <laughs> like- oh man you okay. guys have roped liquid flannel into the QAnon conspiracy, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna end up. Yeah, we're gonna end up an entry on that that giant like spider web chart that they pass around. I love that thing. Uh, can you imagine <laughs> that that all those crazy conspiracy theory people were like, "This is a winning campaign. Let's get people to hate pizza." <laughs> this is gonna. This is going places. You know. <laughs> they should have known. You know, from a high point of my week was. Uh, the resistance tweeter who came up with a whole Russia did 9-11 conspiracy theory. Oh, man, yeah. A whole bunch of people came out on 9-11. But, oh, that, that uh, finance guy or whatever who was like, the Russian statue that they shipped to New Jersey secretly proves that it was, it was all Putin. Putin right. did 9-11. Hell yeah, yeah, go on, Adam. <laughs> like, Take us through this, because this was, this was a train wreck. I have I don't know if I can follow the logic, frankly, but it's just a resistance guy who was uh I don't know, trying to say that nine eleven was by Russia. Yeah, Didn't he uh, like include the that statue thing that looks like a giant clitoris and that yeah, was part yeah. of the Right, yeah. The, like Russia gave uh, gave America Yeah, that was the thing that went around first. the the one tweet out of this epic thread that this guy made. Um <laughs> That was basically like Putin on the 10th anniversary of 9-11 sent us this uh, like, I guess the implication was that it was supposed to be emasculating, but sent us this uh, edifice, this uh, memorial thing that's basically like a giant piece of granite with like a crack down the middle. So it kind of looks like uh, like two towers standing there, but like broken on one edge. And then there's this big teardrop. Uh, like silver teardrop hanging in the middle. And this guy's take on it was like, you know, like just look at the evidence. Like on the 10th anniversary, he sent us a 10 story vagina with a giant clitoris. Yeah. Nobody knew what this meant except for uh, the intelligence agencies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, what? Well, and uh, you know, this, this whole thing got so wacky. If you, if you followed the different sub threads and some of these other like hashtag resistance grifters who were trying to get in on the game, uh, talking about how, uh, like one of the best takes I saw was that back in 2011, Donald Trump started being a birther on Twitter because right around that time was when, they were calling the shot on the Osama bin Laden assassination. And Trump knew that Putin had leaked videotape of Trump with children to Osama bin Laden. And that was part of Osama's secret porn stash that the the, the DOD won't release. But Donald Trump, because of his contacts inside of the intelligence agency in 2011, like got the heads up and he was like, I need to distract from this. I need to start, you know, pushing my own like fake news so that, you know, if Obama comes for me because of this child porn that they found with me in Osama bin Laden's porn stash that Putin for some reason had, it it was it was amazing. It was really a thing to behold. <laughs> 
Which is like, uh, I mean, that literally is just the hashtag resistance's version of QAnon, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess I'll go with my uh, highlight of this week. I don't know if it's exactly a highlight, but it's something I've just enjoyed, which is that um, okay. I guess like during the U.S. Open, there was a woman who was seen in like the back of some uh, of the like shots of the players or whatever, dipping, um, I guess, like chicken fingers into Coke, like into like Coca-Cola. <laughs> and then also at the same time, uh, Cynthia Nixon was like called out for eating a, um, I think she was eating like a cinnamon raisin bagel. Yeah, that's right. A bunch of cream cheese and locks and tomato and red yeah, onion with locks and, and schmear on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and um, <laughs> I mean, I probably so eat it. Yeah, well, so there's just been all this like, uh, like I don't know, I guess like online, you know, influx of people sharing these like, um, weird, sweet and savory kind of combinations <laughs> that they like make up for themselves. And there's there's a lot of people living dangerously at all times. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think I just enjoy it particularly as an immigrant who got made fun of uh, in the lunchroom for having feta cheese because kids are like, ew, why is it white? And I was like, <laughs> I guess they'd only ever seen yellow cheese. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, I think I'm just really enjoying seeing this like dark underbelly of what you Americans eat in the privacy of your own homes yeah. and how well, weird we it some, is. We eat some garbage food. If it's not craft singles, it's not real <laughs> cheese. We are monsters. I picked up some pretty good mileage on Twitter the other day saying that I was melting down Twizzlers in a pan to dip my <laughs> Totino's pizza rolls into. <laughs> that unironically sounds amazing. I think it actually could be really good. It would be like a um what's it, what's that san- that fried sandwich, the uh the Monte Cristo where it's like a fried ham yeah, cheese sandwich yeah. that you dip in the yeah, raspberry uh raspberry jam there is yeah. a uh, nebraska tradition of chili and cinnamon oh rolls, that's let's not hate on the chili and cinnamon which rolls. I, I thought was gross i was like <laughs> Wait, you put the chili on the cinnamon roll no you dip the you, you dip, dip the cinnamon, the cinnamon roll, roll in, in into, the the, into the okay, chili okay same fucking difference though yeah i mean yeah whatever you okay. want to do and i was just like that's gross that doesn't make any oh sense my God. We're not gonna <laughs> but then i tried it and i was like this is fucking so good this is baller right here like, right on it was amazing. I, I did hey, not think it would be good, but it was so good. Hey, a good chili has cinnamon notes in it anyway, so that that just makes sense. That's like a dinner yeah, roll totally. at that point. Oh, it was delicious. <laughs> it was it was so good. I I recommend it to everybody. It's I thought I thought we were gonna have to fight for a minute because <laughs> I love cinnamon rolls and chili. <laughs> Two weeks ago, Adam and I saw a tweet where someone was disgusted at the idea that there are these like. Cheetos, mozzarella stick things that were filled. Were they filled with macaroni and cheese? I don't know. They were like yeah. over the top. And everyone was like, oh, this is disgusting. And Adam DM'd <laughs> me and was like, should we look for these? Right. <laughs> I said, I know what we're doing this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that just sounds like something they would serve at go. the Texas State Fair. Yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. You can get deep fried butter there, so. <laughs> Well, I don't think there's anything more great plainsy to take the show out on than that. So uh, let's let's wrap this <laughs> up. Um, Adam and Lubicha, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, say your say your sign offs and tell where people can find you all online. 
Sure. Uh, so we host the Cold Pizza Party podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about leftist politics and trashy TV. And um, I'm at sometimes Cold Pizza really, Party. really trashy TV. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> like the Heathers, uh, <laughs> but uh, also like Ancient Aliens. Um, I don't know. Oh, We've yeah. discussed a lot of uh, fringe TV. <laughs> yeah. And most of our episodes are pretty evergreen, so you can scroll back and look for something. Yeah, like totally. Uh, the show is so much fun to listen to. I've been enjoying it at work lately, just hearing the the <laughs> expounding on shit that like nobody should ever have to watch. But if you do watch it, there's a lot to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm at Cold Pizza Party. Um, the show is on SoundCloud, Facebook, at Cold Pizza Party. iTunes, obviously. iTunes, yeah. yeah Cold and Pizza I'm Party. At, and I'm at Bone Camaro on Twitter. Yeah. They're both really good Twitter accounts. You all should follow them, too. Uh, Brendan Williams, you also are on Twitter. And I've been seeing you pop up in my mentions a lot lately. Uh, or not not in the mentions, but, like, in the threads of mutual followers. And I, I go in there and it's like, oh, Brendan. Brendan's, like, in the game now. I love it. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Even, you're doing, though, I'm, you're doing even though I'm old. You've always been extremely normy on Twitter, but you're getting better at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping the game alive. Follow me at Brendan Williams with one L on the Twitters. And Nick Glussman, thank you so much again for joining up with us. It was a it was a surprise. I didn't invite you because I, I knew that we had guests already, but then you volunteered and was I like, just, fuck yeah, we want Gless in the room. I invited myself. <laughs> yeah, 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 actually that did happen. Yeah. Well, it's because my parents live like <laughs> half a mile away from where Brendan lives. Like, I'm in the area. I've got nothing to do. Right. That's cool. <laughs> you you also are on Twitter, yes? Yeah, but I mainly just tweet about my depression. It's still a good follow. <laughs> Very popular. Very popular. So, sometimes. Pastime. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's what's your what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Squirrel Fodder. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you will see uh, me and Gless going at it on Twitter. I'm also on there. Uh, a lot more than I should be probably at Matt the Great with a W. You can follow the show on Twitter also at liquid underscore flannel. And we're on, you know, all the places that you're listening to right now. So um, thanks again, Cold Pizza Party, for being with us. Thanks Thank for you. having us. This was really fun. Well, uh, we're, we're adding you to the roster of, of cool sometimes guests on the show. So hopefully we'll, cool. we'll get you back before too long. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll look forward to it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.